0: Coming up on Chasing the Natty, surprise, got a special podcast-only bonus episode for you all this week, as there's been a ton of developments in the Transfer Portal, so I'm going to take some time to break down those guys for all of you. How does Tyler Buckner affect the Alabama quarterback room? What is the impact of exoduses from programs like Michigan State and Colorado? Are there any transfers here that are worth late-round selections? We'll cover it all for you, all this and more Coming right after this.
1: Caleb Williams
0: dancing, cutting, mesmerizing run by the quarterback. Marvin Harrison, junior touchdown. Marvelous. Marvelous. This is Chasing the Natty, a college fantasy football podcast. All right, welcome in, everybody. This is Jared Palmgren, host of the Chasing the Natty podcast. I hope you guys are having a wonderful lunch break on this Wednesday afternoon. That should be right about the time that this Show should be coming out, so yeah, you're probably sitting here wondering, like, Jerry, what the heck is going on over here? We already got a CTN episode this week. Well, I pride myself on this show being able to keep up with the news as best as we can. But this past week, with the awesome show that we had with John lob and Eric Froton, us doing our version of the Price is Right CFF edition, we actually had to record that episode pretty early. Uh, in the week, so we weren't able to really add in things that were, you know, spur of the moment latest news, especially the transfer portal, uh, some spring games and stuff like that. Um, so we, so I'm gonna have to kind of come back here today with it, and we're gonna ma- mostly focus on this spring portal window, talking about some of the bigger names that have occurred over the last couple of weeks. Again, I covered. Um, uh, so we, me and Kevin Coleman covered uh, some of the guys about two weeks ago, real quickly. Here we're gonna go a bit more in depth on some of the latest guys here. So again, we got guys like again Tyler Buckner going to Alabama, Keon Coleman, Casey Thompson, Alton McCaskill, uh, Varquez Gums. Like we're gonna be covering a ton of these guys today, and so much more than that. So yeah, really hoping to keep you guys up to date with really how this impacts the CFF landscape. Moving forward, but before we get too far into it, I'm just going to go ahead and give you guys. My spiel. If you want to support what we are doing here for college fantasy, make sure you go over and subscribe to CampusToCanton.com, where we have all of our written content, tools, and everything you need for your CFF, C2C, and Devi fantasy needs. And we got even more awesome stuff coming your way, including the CFF guide, which will be released on Fourth of July weekend, just in time for all of your biggest drafts going into the season. In addition, make sure you're following myself and the show on Twitter. I am at CFF underscore Jared. You can also find the show's account at ChasingTheNatty. And then if you're listening to this on YouTube, make sure you... Actually, no, this will be a podcast only. I don't even need to say that. But if you are not already... Subscribe to the YouTube channel for Chase and Natty. Make sure you go over there and like, comment, and subscribe on all of the videos over there. We do have a goal of hitting 1,000 subscribers by the start of the season. We are slowly but surely making our way over to that. So let's keep it going, y'all. And if you're listening to this on a podcast, make sure you follow wherever you're listening to this. And leave those five-star reviews. With that being said, y'all, we got a ton to get into here. So I think I'm just going to go ahead and jump right on into this we'll start with quarterbacks here and i think really there's no bigger quarterback discussion that has been happening really since the spring game for this team and that's the alabama quarterback room again throwing in some context here you got Jalen milrow and ty simpson they've been battling it out all spring they both kind of underperform in the spring game. Like, Jalen Milrow probably had the better statistical day, but you can tell that he was, wasn't was making the best decisions with the ball. Ty Simpson finished with an under 50% completion percentage. Both of them had some pretty bad interceptions on the day, and you could really tell that Saban is not happy with the way the quarterback room is breaking down for them this year, and that's especially important this year because they were out of the playoff this past year. They lost the championship to Georgia two years ago, so they're really looking for that run to kind of put themselves back on the top of college football. But now, again, now they're kind of looking at the quarterback situation. Neither one of these guys are Bryce Young. But really, it sounds like neither one of these guys are Mac Jones, Talia Takavailoa, Jalen Hurts, like any of the solid quarterbacks that Saban has been really relying on the past couple of years to really get Bama to the mountaintop. And so now they bring in Tyler Buckner, the backup quarterback out of Notre Dame. And I have to say, I'm not a big fan of this move. This is, this is either Saban trying to play some chess and let this be a warning sign to the other quarterbacks in the room that says, hey, if you don't perform, I can and will replace you. But that's the problem is that Tyler Buckner is not a guy that really drives... Fear into the heart of anybody. Like looking at his last two years at Notre Dame, he has a touchdown to interception ratio from 2021 of one. He threw three touchdowns and three interceptions. And then in 20, 2022, he threw three touchdowns and five interceptions. Buckler, at least so far in his collegiate career, has not shown that he can be a starter at this level, let alone somebody at a program like Alabama. And obviously, the elephant in the room here is the fact that, again, Tommy Reese is the offensive coordinator at Alabama. He was Buckner's offensive coordinator over at Notre Dame. So there's a clear connection right there. But I really, really hope this is just Saban bringing in Buckner, maybe as a solid to the OC, and it's just trying to get Buckner a home so he can develop in the next couple years. If Bama really thinks that this is going to be the solution to their quote-unquote QB problem they have going on right now they're really in for a world of hurt and we're gonna have to reset our expectations for not only this Alabama offense but just the Alabama team in general like come on like you already have two struggling quarterbacks that are struggling in the passing game that both are pretty mobile why on earth would you go and grab a third quarterback who is struggling in the passing game but also pretty mobile it just doesn't make a lot of sense to me No, I am not drafting Tyler Buckner as the starting quarterback for Alabama because I refuse to believe that that is the reality in which we live in because if it is, like I said, Alabama's in for a world of hurt. Let's go ahead and move on to the next quarterback we have here on the list. Had a couple of guys really enter the portal right here at the end of the spring transfer window. Let's talk about Peyton Thorne out of Michigan State. I really caught on that there was something up going on with here very early on in the spring when Mel Tucker basically said that he wouldn't name him the starting quarterback despite the fact that he had been the starting quarterback for the last two seasons for the Spartans. That told me that was very serious. And so he's been in a battle with Noah Kim and Caten Hauser pretty much all spring. And the fact that he has entered the portal here really should let you know that this is most likely... Uh, again, pretty much he's lost the quarterback battle. Whether it's that he just felt unwelcome now, he's not going to be your Spartan starting quarterback here. So what happens now? Well, reportedly there's some interest here from Auburn, but for the most part, I'll be real. Thorne's not really a guy that anywhere he lands, I'm going to be going and drafting in CFF leagues. This is definitely a little bit more of a CFB topic than anything else because, again, Michigan State losing their starting quarterback the last two years to the portal. They also lose... One of their starting cornerbacks and their starting wide receiver, which we'll get to here in a bit. I don't know. For the most part, CFF wise, really not much. It's not like Thorne was really getting drafted in a ton of leagues, but then again, maybe he goes to a MAC school. Maybe that could be a ton of fun right there. But again, considering it sounds like schools like Auburn are pretty interested in him, maybe Florida, mm, back in a way, I don't really like either of those landing spots for him because he's really not a huge freeze kind of quarterback either. So we'll definitely see. What about Casey Thompson, quarterback out of Nebraska, brought in there last year in um, Scott Frost's last ride at with the Cornhuskers. So you bring in a new staff. You bring in Matt Rule. You bring in Satterfield from South Carolina. Along with them, though, they brought in their new QB. Jeff Sims brought in from Georgia Tech. He's been getting pretty much all the starting reps throughout spring as Casey Thompson has been limited greatly with a shoulder injury sustained from last season. means he's losing out on reps. Rule seems very happy with Jeff Sims. The rioting is on the wall that Casey Thompson realized that, all righty, I've lost this job. I'm pretty much no longer, it's not that he's no longer welcome, but like he's not going to get that job back from Jeff Sims so long as he performs. So he gets out of there. He has stated that he's left the door open for a possible return to Nebraska, but pretty much every major transfer is saying that nowadays um so where does he go? Where what is what is the possibility here? I've always kind of liked Casey Thompson as a potential CFFQB mostly because, again, the schools that he's been to have not been afraid to run him around the goal line. He's very comfortable with that situation. Heck, he had negative rushing yards last year at Nebraska and had five rushing touchdowns, so he's definitely not afraid of taking himself down there at the goal line, so he'd definitely like to see that. In terms of where he could go, Ford and Auburn probably in the mix here. Uh, he's actually crystal balled to Auburn, according to On3. That actually could be a decently interesting um landing spot there for cff i might be a little interested in that especially if he can take that job but again i don't know if his mobility is really up to what hugh freeze would really want out of his quarterback but maybe hugh freeze just kind of drags it out of him and forces him to be a more mobile qb we can definitely see i think the one that it's not really been talked about it's more of a pipe dream for us cff guys but man If he could reunite with Tom Herman down at FAU, who, by the way, is in desperate, desperate need of a quarterback. I'm sorry, Daniel Richardson is not the answer there. That would be a ton of fun. It would really help out my shares in LaJonte Wester, the slot wide receiver down there with the Owls. Again, a lot of fun things that could possibly go on here, but... At the end of the day, we got to see where he lands. And again, I think if he lands at Auburn, definitely an interesting landing spot. But definitely nothing I am running out to get quite yet. Let's go ahead and go and talk about somebody who has found a landing spot. And that is Mr. Thomas Castellanos. Man, this is a guy that... A lot of us were really excited last year. He was a true freshman last year, goes to UCF. He was rec- re- He was recruited as a running back pretty much everywhere that he went, except for UCF, where Gus Malzon took one look at him and said, I want you to be a quarterback. And those are the type of quarterbacks that have thrived under Gus Malzon. those kind of weird hybrid guys. I mean, JRP, we've seen the last couple of years, has had exceptional games in this system so a lot of us were, again we're thinking Castellanos. that's your next guy up jrp plays one to two more years he's our next guy here well now ucf brings in timmy McLean from usf last year he sits out a year Castellanos pretty much took over as the primary backup to jrp last year which again for those of us who were hoping that was kind of the pipeline that was happening there it was great great news however It really looks like with him leaving here, that Timmy McLean, with his starting experience, is probably now your primary backup in UCF. And that told Castellanos, hey, I need to get out of here if I have any hope of starting. But it's interesting to see that, like, again, you would think that would mean, oh, he's a backup at a former G5 program. He's probably going to go G5 somewhere else. Well, no, he connects with his old friend in Ryan O'Keefe, uses that connection to land over there at Boston College. Now, this is one transfer that I think we got to hold our horses on, maybe try not to put the cart before the horse here. Because a lot of people saw this transfer and said, oh, maybe, maybe he could win the starting job. Uh, I don't know if a guy who was originally committed to play at a G5 level is now going to go and win a Power 5 job in only a fall camp. If he transferred out, maybe went was there during the spring, I might give it a little bit more leeway in the possibility of him doing that. But I think that's a hard sell for me right now. Now, he, could he win it down the line? Quite possible. Moorhead himself is not particularly a grand option at quarterback I would say he's serviceable at best. And there's already been talk already that freshman Jacoby Robinson is actually kind of making a little bit of noise. I'm, again, I think Moorhead's definitely your starter, but if, if Robinson, a true freshman, is able to make some noise, why not a guy like Castellanos who does bring a very unique skill set to his quarterback position? It could be interesting. I could see it happening down the line, but for now, I think it is a watch list guy and you keep an eye on him as the season goes through. Maybe see, if you're not watching those Boston College games, kind of keep an eye on his stats week by week. See if he's getting a little bit more reps than we would expect. Another quarterback here. Again, th- these last two are kind of more quick quick discussions here. Justin Lampson, a quarterback that I actually really like out of Syracuse. I was deeply afraid that he would actually go on to beat out Garrett Schrader as the starting quarterback for Syracuse because his passing ability is much better than Garrett Schrader's and really helps out in a system like Jason Beck's and Robert Rene's system. But no, he is out of there. He's performed well the last two spring games. So where does he go now? Well, he's a West Coast guy. Uh, He's from El Dorado Hills, California. So my immediate thought was a place maybe like San Diego State where if you haven't listened to the latest Future Freshman podcast with Brandon Sanders, he talks about the freshman quarterback there that could beat out the mediocre options they have there. Well, if Lampson wants to head back out west, that could be an option for them. Some other major offers that he had out of high school. I mean, Louisville, I I don't really see him staying in the ACC, but you know, if he go, goes to Louisville, sits behind Jack Plummer, maybe tries to win that job next year. That could be interesting. Boise State, kind of similar thing. Taylen Green's got the job this year, but why not Lamson after after a year? Wyoming, again, another West Coast school. Maybe he goes there, tries to uh, if, if he wants the easy path. I think he could win the starting job there pretty easily. And then San Jose State, you got um, you got Shavon Cordero, who's in his last year of eligibility there. They don't really have. That top option behind Cordero. So, again, Lampson goes there, sits behind Cordero for a year, learns the system. I think that could be fun for him as well. Last quarterback we'll discuss here. This actually just happened relatively right before I started recording this podcast. But Hayden Wolf, the starting quarterback out of Old Dominion, has found his place, and that is at Western Michigan. You might be saying to me, Jared, I don't care about Hayden Wolf. I don't really either, but here's the problem. This really kind of takes a quarterback room with two already mediocre quarterbacks and turns it into a quarterback room with three medi- mediocre quarterbacks fighting for the top spot. This offense with Lance Taylor, I think has a potential to be a ton of fun this season if they're able to get things going. But the, again, when you have three mediocre guys all trying to fight for that top spot, that's really the opposite of fun. I would say for this situation, avoid and wait until action season See if you can pick them up on waiver wires. I don't think this is a quarterback battle that anybody's really, you know, taking their shots on deep in drafts. Unless you're like me where I took it. I I think in like a 70 round draft, I think I spent my 68th and 69th pick on the Western Michigan QB battle. That gives you any idea of how late these guys are going. Let's go talk about some running backs. So... The biggest name here, I would say, and this one kind of caught a lot of people off guard, was Alton McCaskill. This kind of caught the um, this caught the coaching staff off guard. They were kind of very open about that. If you don't, maybe, I guess. Oh, Let's try this again, Jared. Alton McCaskill showed out as a true freshman. It was incredible. 189 carries, 961 yards, and 16 touchdowns. It was really one that not a lot of people were seeing coming. He also grabbed 21 balls out of the air for 113 yards and two touchdowns as well. He was set to be that guy for the Houston Cougars this next upcoming year, but unfortunately tore his ACL before the start of the season. So he is out for the whole year, and that really allowed guys like Stacey Snead, Brandon Campbell, and Keelan Walker to get their reps and I was avoiding McCaskill coming back this year because with all those guys getting reps, I think, I thought that Dana Holderson was going to go move back towards a committee approach. Maybe, you know, McCaskill is still the top guy, but he wasn't going to get the volume that he was getting his freshman year. And also doesn't help they're bringing in a four-star freshman in Parker Jenkins. Well, regardless of the reason, maybe McCaskill wasn't happy with the idea of getting less carries, Maybe there is some NIL involved here. He is gone. And we have three options of schools that both 247s and On3 Sports seem to think that he is interested in. 247 has 100% crystal ball to Colorado. But On3 Sports has him not projected to Colorado, but to Florida or Arizona states. So let's break down really all three of these landing spots because... Man, there's there's downside really all three of these. I mean, I McCaskey, you should have just stayed at Houston. I would have rather have taken you the upside here. First, let's we'll start with the worst option here. That's Florida. First of all, I think Florida is going to be bad. So scoring opportunities are going to be relatively limited, and it doesn't also help that Napier is notorious for having a split backfield, and they already have some good options for them to run with. Etn, you got Montreal Johnson. They brought in Cameron Carroll from Tulane. I mean, McCaskill, I think he could be probably the number two guy here, but like on a game-by-game basis, I wouldn't want to bet on that. So I hate the Florida landing spot. If that's where he goes, boy, oh boy, if you have a share of him in C2C or CFF Dynasty or anything, you're crying yourself to sleep tonight. Arizona State, I would say this is probably the Best option out of the bunch because they don't really have that clear number one guy right now. You got Tevin White, the four-star freshman from last year, who could be that guy, but you also got Cameron Scadabo coming over from Sacramento State. They've both been fine, but it seems like neither one of them's really stuck out as that clear number one guy. If if that wasn't the case, I feel like Arizona State wouldn't be entertaining the idea of adding Ultima Caskill here. But also it could be that they do like those guys, but Dillingham historically has been another coach who has gone and split his backfields in the past, despite the fact that they have a if they have a clearly top talented guy. So once again, you're looking at another committee that McCaskill could be throwing himself into, which definitely you hate as a CFF guy. So let's look at the last option here. You got Colorado. Pretty much everybody who enters the portal, pretty much there's always that one person who sits there and says. Oh, maybe he's going to Colorado because Dion's, you know, rebuilding that team from the portal up. And yeah, I have a feeling that's not where this is going to lead with McCaskill. But let's say he does go there. This is probably your best chance at McCaskill going to a place where he can be a workhorse back. But the problem is that one, I really think Colorado is going to be horrendous this year. And they're gonna get scored on a lot, especially on defense. Of course, they're gonna get scored on defense. You guys know what I mean. They're gonna get they're gonna get scored on a lot. They're gonna have to pass to keep up, and that's gonna pretty much take McCaskill out of most games. Because again, you see McCaskill do a lot of damage whenever his team has a lead. Again, he can catch out of the backfield, and he'll probably get some points back there in a PPR sense. But it's not nearly as good as when his team's in the lead and he can just pound the rock. And also, like, again, I know this, I fully expect this defense to be bad. I'm still not entirely sure if this offense is really going to get up and running in year one. They're losing a ton of receiving help. I mean, Treori, we'll get to him a little bit later. He's already out. So, yeah, no, I really don't know how often this offense is going to score. Kind of the same thing with Florida, where, like, I really think that the opportunities for touchdowns are going to be greatly limited at colorado so the buddy can we find some better places here maybe i don't know let's go ahead and move on to another running back here tony mathis out of west virginia this was kind of your expected starting running back for west virginia last year until the cj donaldson phenomenon kicked off very early on the season quickly relegating Mathis to backup duty. But after C.J. Donaldson went down with injury, Mathis looked fine um, in relief duty. Again, averaged 4.2 yards per carry throughout the season, so not great. Uh, But you know that he was going to be the second most talented running back the moment that C.J. Donaldson comes back. Justin Johnson was also a guy that was kind of hot on his tail in terms of those number two carries. I think Mathis kind of realized... The writing's on the wall for me. Maybe I'll head out of here. Not really clear where he plans on ending up. Excuse me. So, I kind of had to do a lot of speculation here. Again, he's from Cedartown, Georgia. So, maybe he'll go to that Georgia State backfield. They they typically like running three, four guys. They currently got two. Why not add a third? Uh, To the detriment of all of us, you have... Uh, and one that kind of seems i don't say relatively obvious but i feel like it would make a lot of sense colorado state he got an offer out of college from them and they're in very desperate need of a running back right now they just they did just add one from north dakota state but even still you grab a a guy who ran the ball in a power 5 conference maybe that 4.2 yards turns into a 5.5 yards per carry they can rely on the running game just a little bit i think that would be probably the best case scenario for Mathis but I think more than likely he's probably just going to end up as a depth piece somewhere so we'll definitely see what about Logan Diggs at Notre Dame really I'll be real with you guys Logan Diggs does not excite me a whole ton but what he is leaving behind is far more interesting to me in terms of Logan Diggs the rumor is that he's probably going to go to LSU again he is from Louisiana Louisiana So he goes there, he'll just be part of that mosh pit running back room they have back there where nobody really stands out. They'll all probably get anywhere from 8 to 10 carries throughout the game, probably somewhere less than that. It's not great for Logan Diggs. But let's talk about what he's leaving behind there at Notre Dame. I don't think people realize what a great situation is unfolding here for Audric Estime Between Logan Diggs leaving... Tyree, Chris Tyree moving to slot, Buckner transferring, and Drew Pine transferring. That opens up 348 carries from this past season for the Irish. That you are looking at roughly 63% of the carries that were given to Notre Dame players have left via pro- portal, or position change. Now, obviously, I do not expect SMA to add all of those carries, nor should you, nor do I expect Notre Dame to run the ball nearly as much as they did last year. Last year, they ran for 532 total carries on the team. That is 55 more carries than they have given to their run game in the last three years, like the average of the last three years. So the average of the last three years, 476 carries. Last year, they had 532. A lot of that had to do with their pretty abysmal passing game. That should improve this year with Sam Hartman, so they're definitely not going to run the ball as much. But even still, with all those carries being opened up, Audrick Esame clearly could surpass the 156 carries he got this past year. And with that, he almost hit 1,000 yards right there. I really, really love where this is going for Audrick Esame because, again— Let's say he out of those 300 and almost 350 carries, let's say he gets a quarter of them. So you're looking at like an additional 75 carries. Boom, he's already over 200 touches. That is nuts. That is absolutely crazy. Again, you're going to have guys like Jabron Payne, Jadarian Price come in and take some of those carries, as well as freshman Jeremiah Love. But even still, Esabe is that dude in the running back room right now. He has the experience. I think they're going to rely heavily, heavily on him this year. That could be a ton of fun there. So, Audrick Esmejai definitely going through the roof for me right now. Definitely moving him up in the next time I update my ratings. Let's go talk about A.J. Allen. Running back out of Nebraska. Former four-star player. Really not a ton to talk about here. Not really a good idea of where he could be heading obviously this is another casualty of the coaching change really didn't do a whole ton with Nebraska last year but a couple of interesting options here one I think it's very possible he could go back to TCU he was once committed there before switching over to Nebraska they don't have a ton of depth at the running back position so that just kind of makes sense from a football perspective but from a CFF perspective Allen is from Louisiana there is a Louisiana program that just put their running back in as a day-two guy in the NFL, and that is Tulane. They just put Ty J Spears as a day-two guy. Why not have A.J. Allen head-on down there? They don't really have that standout guy. Again, I like Ashad Clayton, but it's not a guarantee that he will be in the same realm as a Ty J Spears but if they go and add a former four-star player onto a team, you got a big fish, small pond situation here. I definitely think that that could be a ton of fun. Last running back we'll touch on here is Demi Sumo, aka Slimy Shark, out of NC State. Makes all the sense in the world why Sumo got out of NC State. Robert Ne, look at his history with running backs. You run far, far away from that system if you are a running back, so no shock here that Demi Sumo gets on out of here had a really good start to last season again ECU 14 carries seventy nine yards and a touchdown um and then against Texas Tech two games later 14 carries 54 yards and a touchdown, but also four catches for 93 yards and a touchdown so definitely a versatile back here. I have no clue where he's going to end up though that's kind of the big problem with Demi Sumo and the other three offers he got out of high school, to be frank, none of them are really great. You got Toledo, Buffalo, and Temple. Now, big fish, small pond, you love to see it. But the problem is Toledo has an absolute mess at running back right now. And I don't think that they're willing to let him break out from that bunch. Buffalo, kind of the same thing. You got A.J. Henderson there. You got Mike Washington. You got a bunch of guys there. that I don't think Buffalo is really going to let a guy come in and immediately take over that room. They're going to split the carries. Temple might be a little interesting because I'm not sure. They were one of the worst rushing teams in the country last year. I can't tell if that system, if it's their O-line, or if it's really the talent they have at running back. So if DB Sumba were to pick one of these three schools, that'd be the one I'd be most interested in. But regardless, I'm hoping he ends up somewhere else. But again, the most likely thing is that he probably, kind of like AJ Allen or Logan Diggs, or Tony Mathis, most of these guys are probably going to end up as depth pieces because that's just where we are in the season. Hoo boy, we got a lot to cover with wide receivers. So let me take a swig of water. Take a deep breath. And let's get right on into it. the first one here. This is probably one of the, if not the biggest, CFF impactful transfers of the season so far and that is the transfer of Zachary Franklin wide receiver out of UTSA don't know where he is heading yet but he was the wide receiver 11 in CFF last year was being drafted as the wide receiver 3 a first round value for CFF against ADP was 11.4 so pretty much right there at the tail end of the first round you would see him go off everybody that is drafting him is now basically sunken into their chair in sadness because there, i don't think there's a way he can land anywhere else to where that first round value makes it warranted cuz at utsa this past year 93 receptions 1100 yards 15 touchdowns just an absolute monster over there so again like what again i like i said there's no great place in my opinion that he could end up that would warrant that value. I mean, Colorado, once again, one of the first names out of people's mouths. But one, I think we're jumping the gun on how much players really want to go to Colorado right now. Again, have you seen the exodus of players? Players see that, that are in the portal. That, especially when guys like Treyori and other guys that were already brought in are leaving, that is a big red flag to a lot of those players. So I don't know if Franklin really ends up there. He's from the Texas area, so a lot of options there if you want to go from the close-to-home angle. But the real thing is, and the Oregon beat riders, especially over at On3, seem to be kind of into this idea. Does he follow offensive coordinator Will Stein to Oregon and start opposite of Troy Franklin? I think, again... He is not a first round value at all if he does do this. But I can see a path to relevancy here. Troy Franklin is a good wide receiver here. I mean, Zachary Franklin's also a very good wide receiver. So I think Franklin might most likely end up being the two here. But as we saw last year at UTSA, there's plenty of opportunity for both of those guys to feast. I would still be interested in Franklin if he were to head over to Oregon. But like I said, the big thing here is that it's there's no way he is going to recuperate the value that he has as a first round pick in cff unless he goes back to utsa which i frankly doubt that he will another big wide receiver name let's talk about keon coleman wide receiver out of michigan state their top wide receiver from this past year he finished as the wide receiver 39 or excuse me Wide receiver 48 last year and is being drafted as the wide receiver 39 this year. So kind of a ninth round, roundish value right there. 58 receptions, 798 yards and seven touchdowns. I think a lot of people were expecting the same out of this year. So he felt like a really nice safe bet in those kind of middle rounds right there. You grab a wide receiver three with a pretty good floor right there. But I was already kind of hesitant on this offense already. Like, it's you saw the decline from 2021 to 2022. I was afraid it was going to get even worse this year. Without Coleman, I'm completely avoiding pretty much everybody on this offense. Now, the interesting angle to this is that there's a lot of talk that Coleman transferred because he didn't want Peyton Thorne throwing to him as a quarterback, saying that Peyton Thorne would have dragged down his potential NFL value. To which I say, yeah, that's probably true. But at the same time, Thorne has also entered the portal. So there is some talk that maybe Coleman does now return, that Thorne is gone. But quite frankly, I doubt he does. Lots of talk that this will be NIL-centric. So you're probably looking at some of the bigger programs coming after him here. A lot of rumors of Michigan, Alabama, I mean, Auburn's also getting involved here, but I think they're getting involved pretty much any wide receiver. So, really, no clear direction here. Definitely, as with all transfers, landing spot is key here, but it's a very good wide receiver that is in the portal. So, we'll definitely keep an eye out there. Next two here, I'm going to kind of bunch up here together because a lot of the same things are to be said about both of them. We got two Ohio State wide receivers here, and Caleb Brown and Caleb Burton. Both entering the portal. This isn't really a surprise. I don't think to anybody. Again, both of these guys. Brown only had one catch for five yards last year. Burton didn't really register any stats. So a lot of us kind of knew that that 2022 receiver recruiting class for Ohio State. There was a good chance that we were going to see several of them enter the portal. After their freshman year. Because of just the talent that was coming in behind. And we got Brandon Innes, Noah Rogers, and Carnell Tate coming in. All of them, or excuse me, Tart and, Tate and Rodgers, especially in the spring, have already impressed. It's pretty clear that once guys like Ekbuka and Marvin Harrison Jr. go off to the NFL, they'll be those next guys up, uh, already surpassing guys like Caleb Brown and Burton. So they're taking their talents elsewhere. Anytime you see people from one of these crowded wide receiver rooms that are truly elite wide receiver rooms, you got to pay attention to where these guys land because you might be seeing a guy who, again, you might, you might have your next Jameson Williams where it's quite literally just couldn't get on the field. But that's because they just had too many great options there. I don't know if Caleb Brown and Caleb Burton are that because for every Jameson Williams, you have your Buki Coopers and things like that. Now, Buki Cooper actually could be pretty good at Mizzou this year, but even still, so, took him a while to get there. Caleb Brown is an interesting one. I think that his switch from running back to wide receiver might interest some schools because they could see him as a guy they can utilize in a ton of different ways. Very explosive guy. 10, 84, 100 meter in high school. I have no earthly idea where he could end up going. So definitely we'll update you guys whenever we actually get a landing spot for him. Meanwhile, over here, we have Caleb Burton. Caleb Burton was one of our Tier 2 wide receivers in our freshman supplemental dra- draft guide last year for c to c Suffered a knee injury in high school and just reportedly just hasn't been the same since that injury. At one point, he was a five-star receiver. Again, gets injured, gets knocked down a little bit. So if he can kind of get back to that point, hopefully that would be incredible for him. And currently, he is 100%... Crystal Bald to Auburn on on three. Given how bad their receiving situation is, I think he could be a guy that would be the best wide receiver on day one. So if that is where he, really where he lands, he is one of those guys that I might take a shot on late, late in drafts. Just because, again, he's, he would stand out so much compared to the rest of that receiver room. The only thing is that they have to improve their quarterback play. Next wide receiver up here. Let's go talk about Cody Epps over at BYU. He was the number three wide receiver for BYU last year behind Puka Nasua and Keanu Hill. 39 receptions, 459 yards, and six touchdowns. But it looks like he is not content to stay in that number three role. Chase Roberts has been buzzing all spring, so it's very clear that he probably will be your number one option here. So Epps says, hey... I'm out of here. It's going to be the Robertson Hill show again probably this year. I'm going to go see if I can find another option. Currently, he is 100% crystal ball to Ole Miss on, on three. I don't particularly like that because Ole Miss has already brought in so many transfers. It's hard to tell who's actually going to break out for them. you got Chris Marshall, Trey Harris. I don't need Cody Epps going in there and clogging it up more now. Some of the other offers he's gotten so far, you got Auburn, Colorado, and Miami. Colorado, of course, we talked about them already. I don't know about that offense. I don't know that Epps would really stand out. I mean, he pro- again, I think he would be one of the better options at receiver that they have, but even still, I don't know if it would be a false promise that he would end up starting. Auburn, pretty much what I just said with Caleb Burton, I think Epps would be the best wide receiver who... If he were to go there, would be the best wide receiver day one? So that would be a fun landing spot for, in my opinion. Again, they got to improve that quarterback play. But Miami. Miami is the one that I think would be the most fun here. Again, you got Colby Young over there. I think they clearly got the number one guy, but they need somebody on the other side to kind of take some heat off of him. I think a guy with a speed skill set like Cody Epps, playing on that outside would be a ton of fun. Actually I shouldn't say outside. My bad. Um but still giving them a number two option for Tyler Van Dyke I think would be a ton of fun. So hopefully that's where this ends up with Cody Epps. That could be fun. So we talked about some guys that Colorado tried to recruit at receiver. Let's go talk about some of the guys that are getting out of Colorado. This to me was one of the bigger Red flags of Deion Sanders and the Buffs for this season. When you lose guys like Jordan Tyson and Montana, Lamonius Craig, both of these guys, I mean, they, they struck me as like, even if you are trying to overhaul your offense, these are both guys that you could utilize. These are both guys that as bad as Colorado was last year, if they did anything good, it most likely came because of one of these two guys. So let's talk about Jordan Tyson real quick. Again, injured since last season. Like I said, really kind of struck me as one of the guys that Dion really should have made it a point to keep on the team. Just because of the amount of hype that, like, again, if there was one thing that Colorado fans were kind of looking forward to, it was Jordan Tyson. He struck, he struck the fans and the staff as really that guy that can make an impact. But he's gone now. Not really clear where he could possibly land. The opposite is true for MLC, Montana, Limonius, Craig. Tons of offers after a very explosive spring game performance there. And again, tons of fun little options for CFF. you Talk about Auburn, BYU, UCF, Arizona, Washington State, Oregon State, Colorado State, USF. Again, lots of great CFF options there, in my opinion. We talked about Auburn before, but again... Arizona, they're in need of a third guy, and we've seen that they can produce three receivers like they did last year. Washington State, give them another option. Um, give them another option to pair with DT Sheffield and all of them. Oregon State, nobody really in that wide receiver room is giving any kind of excitement right now. So bring in a guy like MLC, give DJ Uyangalele a weapon to work with in the passing game. Colorado State, got Torrey Horton there. You got Justice Ross Simmons, but why not add a third guy in there? And then USF, we'll talk about this with the next guy as well. USF, if they're going to run the Tennessee system over there, they got to upgrade at receiver. And I think bringing a guy like MLC could really, really help them out. And I'll just go ahead and use that as a transfer to the next guy here. Michael Brown Stevens, the wide receiver out of Minnesota Two spring games to go really kind of drove some hype there. Really kind of looked like the best receiving option they had outside of Chris Opman bell A little bit of a disappointing season this past year, though. 22 receptions, 338 yards, no touchdowns, but they are bringing him over to USF. And like I mentioned, there is really... No good names at wide receiver right now. Outside of Kelly Joiner, who is a former running back turned wide receiver. So if that's your best option, that's a little scary. But again, no disrespect to Joyner. Sounds like he's a standout in the slot. So he'll probably be very good for them. And then you also got Yusuf Terry. But even still, like you bring in Michael Brown Stevens, I think that his experience at the Power 5 level could really, really help out a team like this. Again, the big problem is Uh, MBS does mostly play in the slot, which is where Joyner has been doing most of his work lately. So I might take a shot on Michael Brown Stevens at the end of your drafts. But for the most part, I think definitely somebody to put on a watch list. Speaking of deep shots in drafts, this is a name that's starting to kind of catch my eye a little bit. And that is wide receiver out of Florida Xavier Henderson, 38 receptions, 410 yards, and two touchdowns last year. Third best receiving option for the Gators last year. Explosive, explosive guy. Saw him score the touchdown in the game against Georgia. He leaves, really doesn't like that quarterback situation that Billy Napier has created at Florida. So, who is likely to land them? Well, according to the On3 Beat reporters, it looks like that Cincinnati is considered the favorites to land him right now. A big time in connection to, big time with his connection to Emery Jones, who is now pretty much your starting quarterback over there at Cincinnati with Ben Bryant leaving. So this is super, super interesting to me right now because their best receiver, at least according to the coaches and the beat writers and the players, is apparently true freshman Barry Jackson. So they're definitely being aggressive in the portal. This is not the only wide receiver portal addition they have made this offseason. But you bring in a guy from the Power 5 down to Cincinnati with that connection to Emory Jones. I think this might be something I'm worth taking a shot on, especially in like round 25 plus of best balls and deeper leagues and things like that. Because recently, Scott Satterfield has had some pretty good wide receiver performances here. Again, go back to just last year. Tyler Hudson, 69 touchdowns, 1,034 yards. Only had two touchdowns, so you definitely would want to see some more impact in the red zone there. But even still, that was partially due to Cunningham just being the biggest touchdown vulture of all time. But then you go back to 2019. Scott Satterfield's first year there at Louisville where he had 2-2 Atwell. 70 catches, 1,200 yards or 1,276 yards and 12 touchdowns. You give me something like that, that's an absolute steal compared to where Xavier Henderson is going right now. But let's play a little devil's advocate right now. That's two seasons compared to Scott Satterfield, especially at his time at Appalachian State. His top wide receiver performances when he was at Appalachian State is the kind of thing that keeps CFF players up at night. 584 yards, 466 yards, 716 yards, 733 yards, 773 yards, just absolute wasteland for CFF wide receivers. Definitely, definitely not what you'd want to see with Xavier Henderson. So there's definitely some risk here. That's why I'm taking him like 25 round round 25 plus, but even still you could do much worse in round 25 plus than a guy that has the potential to hit a two, two at like season. So definitely a name to keep out here. Um, Cincinnati's top choice, but apparently Miami's here in second place. Like I said, Miami does need that second option for Colby Young. Or shoot, maybe maybe there'll be a better option than Colby Young. But for now, I like the idea of Xavier Henderson landing at Cincinnati. That could be a ton of fun. Another wide receiver here, Milton Wright. Yes, he is indeed still alive, folks. Last time we saw him, it was 2021, where he was playing second fiddle on the Purdue offense to Mr. Bell, 57 catches, 732 yards, and seven touchdowns. He was, in a lot of people's opinion, that next guy up for the Jeff Brom offense, that absolute beast of a CFF position for us. The problem is he ran into some academic eligibility problems that kept him out all of the 2022 season. It looks like that he has fixed that because he is eligible to transfer, but in my opinion, really, unless he follows Brom to Louisville, I don't know that I am super interested in Wright. Maybe he lands somewhere that I'm like, oh, there's not a great there's not a ton of great options there. Maybe it's an Auburn, maybe it's in Miami. I don't know. But I'm not getting super excited over Milton Wright until we see where he lands. Especially if it's at Louisville. I would love that. Speaking of Purdue, they did bring in a wide receiver. From FAU, Jamal Edreen, he was the number two wide receiver at Florida Atlantic Light last year. I'll go over this one pretty quickly. Again, this might be interesting. I could see him possibly being a number one wide receiver for this quote-unquote air raid system they got going on with Graham Harrell over here. But I'd still rather take my shot on a guy like T.J. Sheffield, who's been with this program for years. Got four wide receivers here to kind of run through very, very quickly. These are like the also portals. Like, you know, in like elections, you have like the also rants. These are the also portals. They're all interesting, but like I wouldn't really dive too deep into any of them. You got Jair Shorter leaving North Texas. He's been a guy that a lot of people have been high on for the last couple of years. Micah Pittman, starting wide receiver at Florida State, but it looks like according to 247, they have him predicted to go to Utah. I don't know how much I really like that. A.J. Henning, uh, wide receiver out of Michigan, is heading out. He was a guy that, you know, had some explosive plays the last two years, but it looks like still won't be one of their starting wide receivers, so he's heading out. The rumor is, is he, that he's heading to Northwestern along with uh, Cincinnati quarterback Ben Bryant. So not really super excited about that. Lorenzo Styles is done. He is transferring to Ohio State, to which you say, oh, my God, that's incredible, except he's going to be playing cornerback. So don't worry about Lorenzo Styles anymore. And then last but not least, you got Dylan Goffney at SMU. He or He's no longer at SMU. He is heading out of there. A guy that a lot of us have been hoping would be eventually that SMU wide receiver one. He took too long. Other guys passed him up, and he is headed out of there. I have no clue where he could land. Last but not least, let's go talk about some tight ends. You got two of them here. First, you got Varquez Gumps heading out of North Texas because they really just don't utilize the tight end. Or uh, Eric Morris' system just not does not utilize the tight end whatsoever. So he's going to go to a system that does utilize the tight end. He is heading from North Texas over to Arkansas. This past year, 34 receptions, 458 yards, and five. Touchdowns, pretty much your standard CFF tight end stat line. He heads over to Arkansas, where Arkansas loses their longtime tight end Trey Knox to South Carolina following his former coach over there. You had Nathan Backs and Ty Washington, who were serviceable. They were willing to run some two to tight end sets with them. Problem is, they're being outplayed by a true freshman in Luke Haas. In the spring. So that's either a really good thing for Luke Hollis. Or a really really bad thing for backs in Washington. I'm going to lean towards the latter actually. Because of the fact that Arkansas brings in a guy. Like Gums To fill in that experience need. At tight end for them. Personally I think he's actually a pretty good guy. To take a shot on. For CFF this upcoming year. He's not a guy that's going typically super high. Definitely in that like. Well past that uh tight or round 10 range where you stop start seeing some of the other kind of second tier tight ends go off but the big thing you all have to remember here is when we're talking about transfer tight ends that transfer tight ends most often do have a pretty rough history so again know that whenever you're drafting a tight end that is transferring to a new program even if you do like how that system has utilized tight ends in the past other tight end we'll talk about here. Again, I, t- I touched on him earlier. Du Treori, former tight end at Arkansas State, went to Colorado for the spring and is now leaving once again because I think he realizes that Sean Lewis does not utilize tight ends, and I'm kind of surprised they didn't try to move him to receiver, but it is what it is. do, man, you should have just stayed at Arkansas State. Like, this is really kind of putting you in a bind here. This is really a cautionary tale for a lot of people out there, both when it comes to Colorado, but just the transfer portal in general. I'm hoping he heads back to Arkansas State. There does seem to be some interest from some beat writers from on three on, uh, some Oklahoma beat writers on Traore from on three. That could be pretty interesting because, again, Jeff Levy has been known to utilize the tight end quite a bit. Again, We saw it with Braden Willis last year. That could definitely be a bit of fun right there, Give Dylan Gabriel in that offense an extra weapon. But even so, like I best case scenario would be for him to crawl back to Arkansas, say, say like, "Hey, I messed up, I want to come back here, please take me back." Um, and again, I touched on it earlier when we talked about Dion and everything, but it's really a bad look for Dion to lose a guy like this after only a spring practice. With that being said, I don't really know how long this show has gone on for, but again, hope you enjoyed this bonus episode of CTN. Again, I really wanted to just kind of put out a little extra content for you guys in order to keep up with all of the transfer news that has happened pretty much over the last couple of weeks. We had a lot scheduled in terms of content, so we weren't really able to kind of put it into the shows. So here I am taking a little bit of time out of my day to make sure that you guys are as updated As you can be. As I've mentioned before on the show, we got a great, great schedule for CTN coming up in the next month. It is Dynasty Month, helping you guys get prepared before all of your startup and your freshman supplemental drafts that'll be coming around in probably around like late May, June. Maybe you do a little July draft. We want to make sure you have all that content before all of that. So again, we'll be doing a startup mock. Excuse me, didn't mean to hit my mic there. Doing a startup mic mock, we'll be doing a uh, we'll be talking about instant impact freshmen. We'll be talking about some supplemental guys that'll be widely available. You will be seeing us also do a full on freshman and supplemental draft with a bunch of guys, so it'll be a ton of fun. Be sure to check out all of that. That being said, really appreciate you guys listening and I will see you guys next Monday when we get back to our regularly scheduled program. Appreciate y'all and have a wonderful and blessed week.